Welcome to another episode of Read the Room, brother. How are you? Oh, I'm just living the dream out here. It's probably close to holiday um, celebrations because the day that we've been waiting for has finally arrived. We have been waiting for these past couple weeks, months, years. If you guys out there in the audience have been following us, we have been saying follow the money. Why am I talking about follow the money, Mark? Pretend that I've been living under a rock for the last five years. Hmm. I wonder why that is. Well, do me a favor and the audience a favor. Lay it out. Why am I grinning from ear to ear? Well, the reason you're grinning from ear to ear and uh, most of the rest of our audience is because one very big shoe has dropped in the illustration of the 50-year corruption legacy of the Biden family, starting with Joe Biden, his siblings, uh, and um, his kids, and apparently his grandkids, because I know every grandchild in this country gets a $100,000 payment redirected from another LLC and bank account from former director Louis Free to the Biden grandkids. I know that happens all the time. I I used to open up my birthday cards for my grandparents and I'd open it up and there was $100,000 minus, uh, let me think, five zeros because there was 10 bucks in there. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> did your grandparents <laughs> expect you to deposit that money into an account that they had either control over or access to. That would be the difference. Oh, no, they were just altruistic as hell, and they, you know, had extra money to throw around. Oh. Yeah, today we are, uh, we are just at the beginning of what I am virtually certain we will learn is a uh, longer illustrative history of corruption that, and I will say it right here on the No Filter Network. The No Filter Network. It's going to force Biden out of office or to drop out of his reelect in 2024. It's going to take about six to eight months, which if we do the math, we're seven months away from December. So January, February of next year is part of the latest, latest time frame that uh, you could get out, scramble, get a couple more candidates up on a debate stage so that by the time you end up in Chicago at the DNC convention uh, in late July or early August, you, uh, you have your two brand new nominees. But it's, man, I'm telling you, it's starting to smell like that, and it is unbelievable. Well. Unbelievable. Did you yeah. see the press conference today, though? Because I know you're no. busy today, and of course I watched it. I've been busy digging over some, uh, uh, a civil case that is going to be dropping here next week. I'll tell you about it off air, but uh could be something. So, so it was it was laid out very, very well. 
by uh, Jim Comer and by his um, colleagues, Nancy Mace and Kelly Armstrong and, and uh, Jim Jordan, uh, you know, et cetera. Um, bank records don't lie. And bank records that are sent from uh, the Chinese government, the Romanian government, to the committee uh, with allies and associates of the Bidens, then showing that those monies, millions of dollars, have been uh, deposited in their accounts. You start from, just to illustrate, and I'm doing this verbally for the audience, but you start with uh, banks in China that then go to one LLC and then one LLC, which is a limited liability corporation, then another one, and then another one, and then finally a set of deposits in a Hunter Biden company, one of uh, 16 companies. Let me say that again, 16 companies. Uh, Hallie Biden, the ex-wife of his dead brother who was, Screwing him and is his girlfriend, air quotes, his ex-wife, their grandkids, Jim Biden, et cetera, et cetera. It's a money laundering scheme, mm-hmm. period. 100%. You have almost 200 suspicious activity reports that we know of by banks that are like flagging all of this money flowing through these um LLCs that are popping up like crocuses in the springtime um, that are just crafting money from, or or, excuse me, they're just moving money from one entity to the other. Um, And I'm telling you right now, man, this, you know, I was, I was a teenager during Watergate. This shit makes Watergate look like a parking ticket. And we're only at the beginning. Yeah. We are only at the beginning, but as I said at the top of this broadcast, it's a day that we've been waiting for. If you've been following us through our Read the Room journey uh, since its early inceptions two years ago, we have been pointing all this stuff out. And it doesn't mean that we're prophetic or gypsies or fortune tellers. We just have basic... I'm a gypsy. Okay. Well, I can... Maybe with the beard... (laughs) Um, but we have basic reasons of deduction, critical thinking, like it's pretty fucking obvious. Like there mm-hmm. in the fact that people could stay so tight lipped and want to protect this story from getting out specifically journalists, like it, you want to know the height of corruption when journalists who used to be the voice of the people no matter if they were Republican or Democrat, getting the story, getting the honest truth was the entire purpose of journalism. And all of a sudden, they stopped printing fact and started protecting all of these stories that have been like a, a, a journalist from the 60s would have been salivating over this stuff. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this is Pentagon paper stuff, man. And instead, they're busy going on Twitter going, oh, this is nothing. Oh, Russian disinformation. Oh, Trump mega mega. Oh, conspiracy theorists. When the reality is, it's their 
they're giving so much reason for the American people not to have faith in them. Once again. And here's the day of reckoning that we've been waiting for. Yep. Yeah, and it's interesting because you know, they've gone out and done some um, in-person interviewing and uh, whatnot, man-on-the-street stuff in New York. And, you know, I always say where, um, where the reality is, is what you, how much does it cost what you put in your trunk? How much does it cost what you put in your tank? And, and your house and your job, uh, et cetera, is that intact? And people are starting to re- reflexively just say, oh no, we, this is, they were talking about immigration this morning and all the um, hell that New York City's going through right now because of their mismanagement. And they're like, look, we don't know where these people are coming from. We can't have them sleeping on the streets. We can't have them sleeping in these hotels, et cetera, et cetera. So with things like this, um, people are starting to put this together, two and two together in their own minds. Give them another six months, Rick, and they'll not only have figured out very clearly uh, that Biden's corrupt, by whom, how much, how much (laughs) who did it go to, uh, and that he can no longer lead. I mean... Dude, he's at 36% approval rating right now, okay? Uh (laughs) And and what, two days ago, he came out and said, uh, my administration is going to focus on the airline industry and make them pay for your food and your lodging if my FAA says to an airline, sorry, you can't fly and cancels a flight. <laughs> the absurdity That's what going up with, bro. That's but what's going ma- up with. But uh, Memorial Day weekend, okay? You see, Memorial Day weekend is coming. In real people, that's what they care about, okay? They don't care about all this other thing like the border and the economy and how much gas is. Uh, real people care about how they're going to get to where they want to go on Memorial Day. That's what the people want. And MAGA Republicans who are out of touch with what the country wants, which is getting free hotels if their flights right. are canceled when they're going on vacation to Memorial Day. Green Javier. Well, all they're gonna do is um all they're gonna do is end up uh reducing flights, um <laughs> sending ticket prices up and fewer people are gonna fly. So they're going to create 100%. more inflation in a in a system that already has inflation and exacerbate that inflation by continuing to put regulations it, in place like, that simply do not do anything. It's so, like raising the minimum wage. Like it, it's just basic fucking economics, and people yeah, cannot is. grasp this basic concept of. Lowering the value of the dollar, how far your money goes. Guess what? If you start forcing airlines to give out vouchers and start giving out free hotels every time something gets canceled, great. Love that. Except for the forcing part. Because you know how they're going to make up for that loss in revenue? They're going to bump those ticket prices up. And what's going to happen as a result? Less people are going to fly. The industry is going to see a decline. 
We're going to make less revenue. The tax system's going to make less revenue. It's all bad, folks. Yeah. Period. Yeah. It's not. It's not good. It, it's not good. And and the the um, impact of today's press conference. I'm telling you, man. Um, I can't wait to watch guys, it. I have to these guys are in a lot of trouble, and the Justice Department has a lot of pressure on them to uh, to indict Biden's kid. And the more information that comes out through the Oversight Committee, the more available that's made to the press, the press is going to decide to ignore it or report it. And if they do the former over the latter, then uh, it will get worse and worse and worse for this White House. And I'm telling you right now, man, down ballot Democrats in House and Senate races and gubernatorial races next year and state house races, uh, even down to a local level, depending on where you are, those people are fucked. Because you have a soon to be indicted, corrupt, titular head of your party, while you also have on the Republican side a already indicted, twice impeached, uh, once um, uh, another indictment against him uh, the other day for this sexual abusing nonsense with this woman he met allegedly 31 years ago. Um, When she was fucking 50. Yeah, they don't like the guy in New York, okay? So no. nine people went, yeah, fuck you, Donald Trump. Uh, you, you're uh, you're guilty, right? But not those two things, not those two brain. things are absolutely um, dynamics that are going to shift and change the nature of this race, and could very well change the two individuals that right now people think will be mano a mano uh, next fall with each other. I I am. Absolutely not bought into that at all. Yeah. And you did take that stance um, early on. I said that the only person that is going to make Donald Trump not run is if he physically can't because he's legally disallowed. Or that's pretty much it. Like he wouldn't take himself out. There's just no way he would. Um, so I have two questions because the best thing for Republicans would be to obviously slow play this to make sure that Biden gets the nomination and then really starting to drop the hammer. But I don't think that will be the case and good because we shouldn't be playing politics. We should just get this asshole while we got him. Now, Comer went out and said, begged the DOJ, to not indict Hunter Biden early, before Wednesday, because they had all this stuff. And I do want to give a shout-out to the DOJ for not doing that. But in doing so, is that further proof that they are trying to get Biden out of this race because they know he doesn't have a shot in hell to get reelected? Um, I think it's possibly part of their calculus. Um, you know, there are career professionals at the Justice Department 
that whether they live in Falls Church and have voted Democrat for most of their adult lives or not, they do serve the public. It's the political appointees uh, that are a total pain in the ass uh, and obfuscate and bend the law uh, like it's a uh, you know twisty pretzel uh, um, around someone. And um, so I I don't believe that that's a primary uh, reason. I think it's part of the concern and potentially less part of the calculus, but, you know, he, the president's son um, has questionable banking history. Uh, uh, he lied on a federal form to uh, acquire a firearm. That's a felony. Okay. Um, and what, Comer is being able to lay out relative to whistleblowers and other factual information that is not Republican hyperbole or purely political is this guy has some real ethical and other problems that are against the law, period. Mm -hmm. And regardless of who his son is, you got to look at it. And then you also have the laptop, which has been heretofore proven to be real and not Russian disinformation. So, yes, it's it's potentially part of the calculus is kind of the longer question. Excuse so, me, answer. As much as I want to see Biden get his day, I a part of me really is disappointed that I'm not going to get to see him debate and get just shit on on national television and have to watch him answer for his crimes in a public mm -hmm. setting on a public forum uh i would love that my next question for you would be this how long until we see the obamas start taking pot shots at him and when will michelle obama announce her candidacy to run for president in 2024 well, I'll take the second question last. The answer is never. Um, the first question is um, they may not have to because their hands are all over his problems. Um, Biden had a interview with Stephanie Rule from NBC um, four days ago. That. No, Three wait. Three and a half ish, ish days ago. What? Don't answer that. What? Don't answer that, Joe. Yeah. Well, the, yeah. The staffer. Well, no, <laughs> my point is, she actually asked us a, a, a couple of questions that it was like, well, that's pretty damn bold, and because they don't usually do that, they yeah. just are um, cover up little prigs and softballs and good little good little corporate hand puppets for whoever's in power, and so. My point is, is um, you're starting to see in some places the little droplets of news and information about, I mean, the New York Times a month ago, six weeks ago, maybe, did a fantastic story on how, unfortunately, how uh, migrant children are being used as slave labor, right? Well... Let me clue everybody in that 11 years ago, 
they were used to slave labor then too. You just didn't write that shit uh, when Obama was when Urkel, you know, the amateur as I call him, was in office because they they loved the guy, worshipped the guy. The, yeah, the whole nine yards, right? That too. And so my point is is while all that's going on, you can see the little fingerprints dotting along the landscape that have uh, the Democrats in it, and it's the Democrat gentry that run the party that are going to make the decision and tell Joe, you got to go. Uh And they're going to figure out a pathway for a president to step down. Again, we have one precedent in Lyndon Johnson on the Democrat side. We've got another one in Nixon on the Republican side, right? And so the country knows how to handle it, Uh absorb it, let it go and move on, right? And that's what's going to happen. The problem, yeah, the problem, the 70s were this, great for yeah. America. Yeah, well, they were interesting, 60s and 70s. Because, um, uh, you know, March of 68, uh, Johnson goes on television and, and says for five minutes, uh, gives his, I shall not seek and I will not accept the nomination of my party for another term as your president. And that was it. The guy got up and left and kissed Lady Bird and went off to Texas, man. Right? And so we know how to do that. Obviously, you know, the Democrat press knows how to go after a Republican. They did so with Nixon. But um, end of the day, Biden never sees the inside of a jail cell. Pardons his son if he is indicted before he leaves. Um, slinks back to Delaware and grows his hair even longer like the Crip Keeper and keeps eating ice cream and sniffing children until he's uh, until he's tits up in a year. Um, <clears throat> and they and they and the Democrats go like this, right? Fingers crossed. Everything's crossed. Fingers, toes, eyelashes. They throw in Gavin Newsom and and little gay Pete Buttigieg or Newsom and some other asshole uh, as the nominee, and they get their ass handed to them the way um, Carter beat Jerry Ford. Country's in a recession. Country's pissed off. They're not happy with the party in power. They punish them. Uh, the other party uh, seizes even more power. Uh, I mean, Biden or no Biden, dude, we're gonna we're gonna flip the Senate. We're gonna hold the House in 24. We got Montana, Ohio, and West Virginia. West by God, three Senate seats. Thank you very much. Peace, love, Obama. 52-48 Senate uh, Republican control. And Kevin McCarthy's doing a great job. We'll keep the House. Yeah. Plus or minus a few seats, notwithstanding the dozen maybe 10 11 that we pick up well i mean i'm not even sure gavin's gonna get uh, a chance to run because he might not have the votes because reparations no no ticky no tacky they said yesterday no ticky no laundry yep if you don't give us our money you don't get our vote so he gets yeah. on that national stage and starts getting the questions about nationwide reparations. It's just going to it's going to be a burning issue for about three percent of black people that really 
care well, about be, the reparations. It'll be more than that, and it'll it'll hurt in the center cities where uh, these votes are. But you know, I don't know how universal that really is. Um, uh, not only across the black community, but in other center cities besides inside the state of California. But uh, he, um, he 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 made an interesting political calculus, if you will. Uh, in in not in deciding not to um, sign off on a on a commission that he already signed off on and put money behind. I mean, it's like, do you even know what you're doing, dude? You know, so, I mean, the the obvious that's the answers in the question. You know, yeah. Have you ever seen The Office? Oh yeah. So, the famed character Michael Scott. There's an episode where he has something called Scott's Tots, where he promises scholarships to all of these black kids if they graduate high school. Well, 15 years later, he comes back, not reaching the goal of being a millionaire, and has to tell all of them, I just got you computer chargers i didn't get you (laughs) i can't afford to get you guys scholarships gavin newsom is the equivalent of michael scott in all of the black people in california are scott's tots that's it like it's just plain and simple the math on it would be one trillion dollars they say 800 billion we're getting close to one trillion You've talked about yep. how they had a hundred, what was it, a hundred plus billion surplus? They had a they had a twenty-two billion dollar surplus, and now they have almost a thirty billion dollar deficit. It was only twenty-two billion surplus. Yeah, I mean they they had a they had a surplus there, uh, and it swung yeah. back, so that's a total of fifty billion dollars uh-huh. uh, to the negative. Why do people keep saying hundred billion? I keep hearing that number getting thrown I around. I have no idea. So, well, their well, their state budget is about a hundred and forty six billion. So, um, no, it's almost it's almost it's one hundred and eighty eighty plus billion. So, the eight hundred billion in reparations would have been four times that amount, right? Yeah, yeah. That's that's, um, that's how these guys think when they're trying to do vote buying, right? It's yes, I mean, it's nothing, crazy. It's, it's it, vote buying crazy. is the best way to put it. Um, yeah. To your point about Democrats that are slowly starting to uh, distance themselves from the normal legacy rhetoric that we've been seeing for the last, you know, five to eight years. Uh, there was a story on the Post the other day um, talking about how Biden needs to debate one, but more importantly, how he doesn't, he hasn't done any solo press conferences. He hasn't dealt with the mm-hmm. media at all this year. None. Zip zilch. He has not taken any questions from the press corps. He is not friendly with the press. And as journalists, that should really piss you off that he's ducking, dodging, and hiding. Right. And it's about time that they start calling this stuff out. Like, he's openly crapping down their throats. And they've been taking it, taking it, taking it in of the post of all places. 
to say something disparaging against their God mm-hmm. is proof. Yeah, that- it's, it's interesting. It's, it's, it's interesting. And, and so to that end, um, you know, he had one today, right? He did one today. Shocker. Tiny, tiny little one, right? Little, little teeny tiny, uh, press conference, not, one of any, you know, I mean, one of the one of the newscasters when it went back on uh, uh, the live feed was like, "Wow, that was amazing! He actually did that." Yeah, and I was like, "Great, he's doing his job." People are not impressed. Okay, I mean, yeah, uh, we I have inflation. That, that was a bit facetious of that journalist, but. Uh, kind of it was a little tongue-in-cheek you know we have inflation it's it's sticky tacky endemic in the system right now it's going to remain that way for the not too distant future title 42 is going to end in about 30 hours so we're going to have a illegal alien invasion for the next several months right um then you end up with a recession by the third quarter that will be not as devastating, but it'll be it will be like the fourth or fifth day of a bad head cold that that sticks around for a while. You're gonna feel its stickiness and tackiness all through next year, a little bit into 2025, and then will dissipate, right? Uh, and I'll, I'll just give you one metric to give to give you a sense of that. There's about three point eight trillion dollars of commercial real estate debt in the country, right? Mm-hmm. Two trillion of it is held by local and regional banks. Those are shopping centers located across the street from Mid South Bank in. Scottsdale, Arizona, right? Oh. Stuff like that. Those It'll, banks only have the ability to hold so much money, so much debt. And if they're over leveraged, you'll see a first signature, uh, a uh, Silicon Valley bank, uh, excuse me, a first signature, a first republic, a Silicon Valley bank uh, scenario happen and it'll dot all around the country. That will create that headache environment ad infinitum until that washes out of the system. So how much of the dire situation that corporate real estate's in right now and in the future is due to the Federal Reserve point hikes? And how much of it is due to businesses and corporations leaving what used to be business capitals of this nation for other properties because it's either unsafe the taxes are too high combination of Mm -hmm. both etc so um uh second part of the question in terms of raising interest rates um it's a fair amount of that but the larger amount is the fact that the fed for 13 years kept interest rates at near zero. 
they'll borrow, 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 and accumulate more and more debt, build, 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 more and more debt, right? And so when you borrow as a business to build a shopping center to be the um, smoothie shop, the barber shop, the small cafe, whatever, from also that same bank at a low interest rate, and those interest rates then start to go from 2% to three, to six, to nine, you have a payment that's three times higher than what you allocated in your revenue that you bring in as a business, right? And when mm -hmm. you take those bonds and you bought them at one and a half or a half a point, and now they're at nine as a bank, you've your leverage goes almost straight up like that. Yeah. You, you have no more leverage really because you don't have viable assets sitting in that bank to pay down now that debt that's much higher. And that's, I mean, people that's, the, don't, uh, that's the problem. Like a half a point to nine. Like that mm -hmm. is insane. The hell of an acceleration. That is so much in money, man. That's so much money to be paying interest on, like just paying the mm -hmm. interest alone, not even paying mm -hmm. into the debt, just paying off the interest. I mean, as Kareem no. Jean-Pierre puts it, uh, <laughs> well, you, you have a car and you have this thing called car payments and mm -hmm. you're expected to pay those car payments. And when you don't, you get bad credit. Wait, 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 Kareem. I thought getting bad credit was a good thing. I thought we actually got penalized for having good credit and that it was more beneficial to have low credit. So which is it? Are we supposed She's to be dumber. trying to get bad credit? Yeah. I mean, she is, she is dumber than a bag of hammers, dude. I'm telling you right now. Um, so bad the, at her job. The, uh, the the meme that I keep throwing up there every once in a while on Twitter or whatnot is a a meme of that '70s show because that's where we're headed. That's uh, that's arguably that's exactly where we were where we are. So in the '70s, going into the '80s, um, if you had a bank account, you got 18% interest. But if you wanted to buy a mortgage, it was an 18% mortgage. Well, we're uh, we're just below that midway point of an 18% mortgage right now. And there's an argument that the Fed is going to look at um, deleveraging their position and, and, and stop raising rates, and they might cut rates. Cool. I, I think that um, <clears throat> out of sheer politics, a 36% approval rating um, and Biden and his kid and other family members potentially being indicted within a year, there's a, a reasonable argument that they may pressure the Fed to do just exactly that. But what they should do is accelerate the um, interest rate hikes, continue it, because they're only at 5% inflation and they want to be down to two. And you and I would be talking for the next two and a half years 
three years before, given the policies that are in place right now, before that ever happened, naturally. They, they are in an untenable position at this point. Yeah. So I keep hearing about price hikes and how raising the interest rate is a way to cool inflation. There's many people in the audience and across this country that don't understand basic economics. They don't understand. So why is it that when you raise inflation rates that it actually slows, or pardon me, you raise interest rates, why does it slow mm-hmm. inflation? And then my next question would be in mm-hmm. terms of job creation. We keep hearing how job creation is going too fast and that it is also accelerating inflation so can you explain to me why raising interest rates helps inflation and why job creation which we all thought and have been told is a good thing in most parts it is but why in this scenario is it bad sure so the um the first question I'll answer first, first part of your question I'll answer first, which is when, think of, think of trade-offs in, in a system. It's a closed system. So you do more of one thing, there's less of the other, right? So you raise interest rates to um, literally slow the job market because it's too expensive um, to run your business at the same level you've been running it on and you have to decelerate hiring operations and if you do that too much with some businesses that are over leveraged with debt they go out of business and those jobs are lost anyway the goal of the fed is to raise interest rates borrowing high enough to slow borrowing slow money in the system decrease money in the system but also simultaneously slow um, hiring and put people out of work and create unemployment where you can only spend so much, you're not receiving as much um, money, which is not necessarily good economic policy, but they have to do that. Otherwise, you will continue to have these surprise moments of, higher employment rates like the April jobs report that just came out, which to me is um, an indicator of people coming back in the economy and jobs that were there before COVID uh, are being um, inflated or grown again, right? The same job exists, nobody to fill it because of COVID and people sitting on the sidelines getting free cash for the last three years. Let's not forget Trump did that too. Okay. It's just the Democrats are addicted to it as a matter of function. Uh, we do it out of some form of necessity, but we're also like, you know what, let the private sector handle it. Mm-hmm. But Democrats are just like spend, spend, spend. And so when you hear when you hear Biden talk about 1.7 trillion in in uh deficit reduction, that is a fucking bullshit comment because all he's doing is uh, being witness to the 
<laughs> jobs that were there before coming back from COVID. And so when he says, I created 12 million jobs, I entered a thousand manufacturing jobs, he's completely full of shit. Yeah. He created out of, out of those 12 million numbers, maybe 2 million. And, and I was guessing at the number of 200,000 manufacturing jobs. And one of these kids on Fox News actually squirted the number out of his mouth, 260,000 manufacturing jobs is what he's created. The rest of them, 540,000 uh, out of the 800, were already there pre-COVID. Mm-hmm. And they're just being, they're just being, they're being they're re- using them again. They're just, re- they're just being, re- they're, they're being uh, redeployed. Uh, into Reused the same, into the for stats numbers. Yeah, it's um, just people are just coming back to work, Rick, to to make it easy for everybody. That's all they're doing, so, and so that's that's literally what it is. And again, it's a system of trade-offs, right, in the economy. And so what you get to is you get inflation down enough that unemployment can then be um, uh, decreased because employment is hiring, and there's a leveling off in the economy. That's a that's one reason why Trump, after the Tax and Jobs Cut Act, which stimulated growth in the economy, uh, kept people um, kept people allowed people to have their own damn money and keep it, right? Uh, his inflation, even after his profligate spending of four trillion, was one point four percent. Gas was low, food was affordable. People had money in the bank. They had a job. They could plan. They went on vacation. COVID obviously hit and wiped some of that off the uh, off the uh, um, daily planner, you know, that kind of thing. But by the time 2019 ended, after the Tax Cut and Jobs Act was passed in 2018, it took about a year for that to take effect, and you really started to see that going into uh, 2020 even with COVID, and that's why at the end of 2020, going into 2021, when Biden was elected, he was, started out with 1.4% inflation, and he yeah. pumped it all the way up to 10. So if I'm hearing this right, it sounds like we're almost encouraging unemployment. Yes, that's what has to be done. That's the whole point. But... A major Which seems counterintuitive, but that's exactly it. A major Republican talking point and talking point of really anybody up above the age of 30, myself included, is how lazy this generation is and how they don't want to work. So should we really be discouraging employment? I know it's what we need to do economically. Because- but, yeah, you don't have any other choice because businesses will run out of money from the inability to get credit to sustain their business at a um, two to three times higher level of borrowing and operation. And you will naturally then sink into a depression because um, costs remain elevated across the board from eggs to gas to everything uh, for too long. And then you're off the end of a cliff because then all you do is have more debt and deficit 
as opposed to uh, uh, positive GDP. So what do we do with the people that we're trying to encourage not to work? How are they going to survive? Unemployment, entitlement spending, which is what drives most of uh, the decisions that happen in Washington, because it's between you know between uh, uh, Social Security, Medicare, and uh, uh, et cetera, and other entitlements, seventy percent of the budget. But most people, especially here in Arizona, cannot survive off of an unemployment check. And for those of us no, that aren't, I don't even know how you guys survive off of five and six dollar gasoline. I was just out there the last five yeah. days. I'm like, what? Right. So, me looking at it from almost a devil's advocate stance, my normal libertarian stance, it it seems a bit hard for me to want to see our dollar strengthen and inflation go down and our economy get stronger faster if it means that there will be more out-of-work people. Now, I, I understand mm -hmm. that it needs to happen, and that's how we write things, and the economy will adjust as needed. I just worry for people who don't understand economics when we start talking about a need to create less jobs. The average person is going to hear that and think it's evil. So I guess what I'm trying to think of is how would we explain it in a way that doesn't seem like we're evil humans throwing away the poor and frame right. it in a context that makes it seem like, okay, we're not forgetting about everybody, but this is unfortunately what capitalism is and what it takes to get back and also explain to them why capitalism is still better than socialism and communism. Well, I know that's a lot. Um, that's a, that's a, a longer show, but I mean, um, I'll take capitalism over um, um, socialism any day of the week. I mean, of course. Uh, demand destruction is something that you can, uh, you can live through, through a centralized uh, economy that controls all means of production and owns everything uh, is not a reliable system. We've seen yeah. that through the last 200 years at a minimum mm -hmm. when it has been uh, it has been tried and failed uh, miserably. But yeah. the next year and a half for a lot many Americans is going to suck economically it it simply is um brought to you by the democrats and their ludicrous policies once again the progressive left that controls the democrat party brought you all of this crap from defund the police and abolish ice to uh the green new deal and all this spending that's gone on rick you spent almost seven trillion dollars in 29 months that's yeah. fucking unbelievable Okay. Unbelievable. And, you know, that there's the lesson right there because, once again, the adults have to come in to clean up the mess when you give yeah. the children a credit card. 
let's remind everybody that the reason we're in economic dire straits, yeah, there was COVID. Yeah, there is a war overseas, but it is exacerbated by the fact that you just pointed out $7 trillion in spending. And because of that, we exist in a system where to get back to normal, unfortunately, less jobs have to be created. And if they would have just followed the tried and true proven facts of capitalism and of any economy over history where printing money right. is a bad thing, then we wouldn't have to do this. Yeah, that's 100% right. So, um, you know, in the in the the time that we have left, I will just say, just to kind of recap on the uh, Biden corruption theme of this episode of Read the Room on the No Filter Network. No Filter Networks. Thank you very much. That we are witnessing uh wall street on steroids a potential uh flipping of an or erasing of the anticipated top two candidates to run for president next year biden and trump with their respective problems right you could also see a scenario where trump's is less problematic and and therefore it helps him and he is able to eclipse these problems and also to eclipse a biden presidency the gamble for the democrats is um you put in a guy like newsom that has never run a nationwide race before he has a mixed reputation most people don't know this bozo uh, and literally all the way back from the time he was mayor of San Francisco to yesterday, you can write a a story that makes him look incompetent, giddy, dangerous, uh, and a 28 to 30 year younger version of Biden. I think he's about 52, so call it 30 years, 52 or 30 year younger version of Biden, where you're like, oh no, we're not going there again. Yeah. And he's forced to keep Kamala Harris or get rid of her because he's not going to switch roles with her. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And that ain't going to happen. That there's too much of a gamble because a a contrast on our side of the, on the Republican side of the aisle is DeSantis has been able to build his economy and can turn that around as a blueprint for the country. While you have, you know, in Newsom, and I'm just making an assumption that it could be him, right? Uh, A governor who, for the first time in the history of California since 1850, lost a congressional seat, (laughs) has a fentanyl crisis, exploded his homeless population by fourfold, right? Which he Uh ran on in uh, as a mayor in San Francisco more than 20 years ago and said he would fix, right? Never did, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Notwithstanding all the movie stars and everybody else that'll whirl around him like, you know, he's the original Jesus. 
But we've well, seen that the before because we kicked the, we kicked the shit out of Hillary in 2016 because she was a shitty candidate. Right? And I hope that so we'll still holds true because we we'll know see. that Hollywood's going to back him, and then he's going to throw Pete Buttigieg in there to try to get the LGBT. Whoever. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I the think they'll do Pete people. because of optics, honestly, because yeah. that's their only game. His optics is this one. But I also think I also think you you know. Notwithstanding his little gay status or whatever he thinks he is, because um, you know just a few years ago he was dating chicks, right? Mm-hmm. Never forget that, right? Um, no. You know, as I always say on on Twitter, undiagnosed mental illness are dangerous, so never 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 underestimate that. He, um, uh, you may have to have a different woman in there. That could be an Ocasio Cortez moment, right? Progressive leftist freakazoid. With Eddie Munster's uh, taller, older brother, with his little widow's peak, um, <laughs> as the uh, uh, as the <laughs> um, uh, as the top of the ticket, they'll get slaughtered. They'll get slaughtered. We we could end up picking up one or two additional Senate seats because of the weakness of that of that ticket. Well, we'll see. We'll see <laughs> what happens. We will. Um, quick wrap up, though. I need to know what's going on in the world of sports from your perspective. In the uh, in the few minutes we've got left here, big guy. Uh oh, I don't like that face. Well, the Suns dropped a big game last night. Uh, game five, the series was tied two two, and we went into Denver and laid an egg. And game six will be tomorrow. I think it goes seven, but I think we lose. The bottom line is is we have a gutless team. Um, it's it's embarrassing to watch a team that rolls over. And our head coach is Monty Williams, who is a fantastic man, just a total character-building guy. But he is not a winner. He, ever since those finals where we choked two years ago, up 2-0, we have never been able able to recover from that. He does not get his guys up for big games because he's too even keel. He doesn't get in their face. He doesn't know he how to He seems a little sleepy to me. Yeah. He is. He seems he just, a little sleepy. He's a great guy. Yeah. He's better for he's he's a jazz musician or a pastor. Like that's his preferred occupation, mm-hmm. if I'm being honest. And God bless him. I would love him as a high school coach, maybe a college coach. That seems like his area. But when you got somebody that's DeAndre Ayton who's seven feet tall and he plays like he's five foot one, 111 pounds, it, it's. Right. He is unsure of himself with the way he calls his plays, his bench rotations. He left Kevin Durant in the whole first half without giving him one break, one breather. Like. Oh, wow. It, that's just yesterday. No, no mm-hmm. rest the whole first half, and Durant played terrible, terrible. So we're starting to see the mismanagement of the Suns. It's starting to rear its ugly head. I think Kevin Durant is past his prime. Uh, we're seeing it for the first time in his career. He can't shoot. He's always been a kid? Booker, I like this kid. I, you know, oh, I he's a, he's for four or five days, and I just I, I loved his energy. Uh, you know, a couple of days ago when he was playing, 
he's the next Kobe Bryant, who was the next Michael Jordan. Like nobody's going to be mm-hmm. Michael, nobody's going to be Kobe, but he he fashioned his game off of Kobe's, and it's freaky mm-hmm. the way that he looks like Kobe. And Kobe fashioned his game off Mike. And there's those videos where you see side by side Michael Jordan shot, then a Kobe shot. And I, I, if you haven't seen these, you need to check it out on YouTube. It's freaky. Like I'm talking. The yeah, same send me the, send me the link. I wanna I wanna watch that because I yeah. A, my my era was you know the 70s, the 80s, mid to uh, latter 90s. You know, yeah. and then I and then basketball just became this foreign entity because you had all these personalities that couldn't keep their mouth shut and their you talent know, was minimal. It sucks. <clears throat> the NBA compared to what it used to be is so noxious and boring. Yeah, I mean I'm I'm with Phil Jackson, I'll put it to you that way. Huh? Yeah. They you are know. soft. The refs it, it's clearly rigged. Like the the way especially now with you sports think? betting, the way these refs interfere with games to shave points to make certain teams win or certain players get the calls others don't like you you can literally see if a team mm-hmm. is blowing somebody out how they will insert themselves to fix these lines like you can tell that they get calls from of course and it's it's so sad to see how soft they are. Like that's the thing that frustrates me the most is the old yeah, NBA yeah. used to be tough and physical. Now they're oh, just absolutely. a bunch of prima donnas and divas that look for a 100%. little, like a little graze. Like it's not the same game. If the Suns aren't playing, no, I'm not, not watching. They're not, no, it's not. They're nowhere near as good as what it used to be. I will, I will die on that hill saying that, Nobody would beat a team from the '90s. Nobody, because that was that yeah. was the pinnacle of basketball. Because you had the '70s, which was good. They're getting better. '80s was the most rough, rugged period of basketball in its history. Like cutthroat, knock them out, brutal, great athleticism, great games. But then you got to the 100%. '90s, and they started becoming athletic in gifted and being able to do these things with their shots and their athleticism and just their physiques but they also play physical like the Knicks and Pacers series back in the day like you had oh, absolutely you know there was just there was better teams better well, rivalries that's because uh, Larry Bird left uh left as a player and went in as a coach and then a GM and taught these guys how to do that shit so I'm I'm right there with you Listen, you are always a champion when it comes to answering all these, uh, asking all these questions and, and uh, helping me out with uh, the sports side of where things are at. Uh, I appreciate that. I appreciate everybody uh, joining us today on our show. And we will, uh, we will see everyone here again on Friday when we come up with another idea to talk about on the Filter Network. The No Filter Network. Appreciate you, buddy. All right. Love you, dude. Talk to you later.